the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, a man identifying himself as Dan Cooper bought a plane ticket from Portland to Seattle. He hijacked the plane, claiming he had a bomb in his briefcase and demanded $200,000 in four parachutes. He jumped out of the plane with the money and the bomb somewhere over the Pacific Northwest, never to be seen again. The FBI claims to have investigated over a thousand people, including dozens of deathbed confessions. In 2016, 45 years after the hijacking, the FBI suspended its investigation of the case. While the FBI is no longer looking for D.B. Cooper, there is a community of people who are trying to solve the case on their own. Welcome to the Cooper Vortex. Right off the bat, I want to thank our listener, Christina, for sending me a link to a discussion about D.B. Cooper on a site called Chase Chat. When I went there, I discovered people discussing a mysterious buried treasure, a poem filled with secret clues guiding you to its location, and the man who put it there is still alive today. In this episode, my guests explain the connections between Forrest Fenn and D.B. Cooper. If you've never heard the name Forrest Fenn before, buckle up because when it comes to D.B. Cooper rabbit holes to go down, this one may be the deepest. So enjoy this episode with my good friends, Mindy Fazzi and Stephanie Thirtyacre. All right, ladies, well, let's get started with Forrest Fenn. What is Forrest Fenn for those of us who aren't really familiar? Forrest Fenn is a man who's done many things, and I came across him in 2010. He had, um, actually, I think about 2011, but in 2010, he uh, published a book um, called The Thrill of the Chase about a treasure that he had hidden in the mountains north of Santa Fe. And in this book is his memoir. And it's really strangely written, but <laughs> he, he touches on a lot of different things um, that he's done in his life. Really cool written. I mean, it's, it's really cool the way he wrote, but it's very different. And, um, so I ended up, uh, getting to know him back then and searching for this treasure. And I actually met Mindy a few years back and, uh, that's how we got to know each other. And we've been looking for this treasure for 10 years now. Yeah, you you have been looking for it for well, <laughs> I was a little longer I, than most people. I, I think I came in late 2012 or 2013. Yeah, when I first started talking to him, uh, he was getting maybe 10 emails a day, he used to say. So I would sit and talk to him like on the computer all the time. And uh for probably the first two years. And then it kind of took off from there. He was in on the Today Show and, and all these. I had seen him originally. It was on PBS. And, wow. Uh, yeah. That's I had crazy. seen it online, an online uh, episode with uh, Irene Rawlings. Oh, my gosh. So that was really cool. And So uh, the, mm-hmm. the treasure that he hid is supposedly worth one to three million dollars correct yes and let me just ask the question that's on everyone's mind with this Mm -hmm. do you believe this is legitimate well Uh. (laughs) i searched i searched probably every day of eight years believing that and i had times where i didn't believe it i have I, i ended up quitting uh after about eight full years 
maybe eight or nine, um, of searching and going through a lot of personal turmoil <laughs> over it. Um, and I have my own strange belief now that a lot of people won't agree with, but I feel that I did have the location. I told him where it was. And um, at the time, he did not want it known and so would not let me go to this location when he would let other people who didn't have the same ideas yeah. I did. Uh, so then after that, after I came to that, my own personal realization on that, I stopped searching. Okay, now I'm really confused. I know. Yeah. So There's so many twists you, and turns to this. Yeah. You believe you have found the location of the where location. the treasure yes. would be. And but I you didn't have his permission to go there? Right. Well, my I'll tell you the location. He has a um he's a very fascinating guy. He was in the military. He uh, owned a gallery and he actually owns a pueblo or owned we're not really sure. He's not exactly saying if he gave up all his rights to this pueblo. Uh, I believed it was in San Lazaro Pueblo, which actually is south of San Lazaro, I mean Santa Fe. And my thinking is that you had to go north of Santa Fe around the world, around the earth to get to where it is, which is actually south of Santa Fe because he's a pilot. He also is a pilot. So I thought that was his. About that too. He hints about all the, he hints about all the pilot terms and the, um, like Mm -hmm. the questions and stuff like about the great circles and stuff, Mm -hmm. pilot stuff where you have to go where a great circle just circumnavigates the grow the globe and it's like and that's what they would use to plot their courses you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's why i believe that it could be there there's something called the medicine rock there and he actually he also is a um owns his own publishing company and has like at the time, he had like nine books out, and one of them was written on San Lazaro. And when you read that book, you learn that there's uh, something called the bathtub on top of the medicine rock. And if you read the poem, which is supposed to guide you to where the treasure is, it uh, begins uh, where warm waters halt. And for me, that was where warm waters halt. And you go down into this medicine rock. And there's an altar there. And I believed that the chest was there. And when you look in in this book, you could see a little hand doodle on the altar that looks like a chest. And I think a lot of people, you know, didn't realize that. Um, And above this area, there's a hole in going up to the top of the medicine rock, which I believe was the blaze because the sunlight or the moonlight would come in. And that created the blaze. So I, I think he realized that he uh, he's going to be 90 um, this year. I think he is 30. Yeah. And um, so my belief was that he originally wanted this found and that the chest would hold title to the gold, um, which was San Lazaro. And this chest was to pay the IRS the gift tax. I think that was his plan. He's very calculated, inc- incredibly intelligent, so smart. And um, so that was my idea. But I think what happened is when this took off, I don't think he's ever felt the popularity and, you know, I, for an 80-year-old guy and everything, he, I think he just had so many friends, so many people wanted to, I mean, it just and 
changed his life. He was popular before, but when you get to be about 80 years old, you're probably, you know, not as busy. And uh, so I think he just didn't want it found. I think he got to a point where he didn't want it found. There was a lot of craziness. If you read up on him, death threats and people dying. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And um, yeah, five five people have died, and then a Colorado least. man sued him a couple months ago. Correct. Yeah, at least that many. We we've heard of other stories and stuff of people. I don't even think it hits the news. You know, there was a guy that was at the sand dunes in Colorado, and um, a few years ago, and uh, he had gone up and had to be rescued once in the middle of winter, and then he was found passed away they had found him like two months later or a month later and it just sounded so much like it was somebody a searcher he was out there alone why do you go to the top of that you know area so i think there was a lot more than that but you believe the treasure is real i i believe it it is real Sometimes, most of the time 90 percent. because sometimes i change my mind on that but i think it was real I think he pulled it and did something with it, whether he gave it to somebody because he's gotten real close to some people and maybe it won't come out till after he's gone. I'm not really sure, but I personally believe that was the location. Have you been to that location? You said he wouldn't let you go. He wouldn't let me go. He said that he had somebody there and I'd get shot if I went. So I did go and I met up with a guy that told me he'd shoot me if I went. So I pretty much believed him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. What? The guy was... The guy was... He was a neighbor of the property. Yeah, we've done a lot of crazy things with this treasure. Mindy's actually got a podcast or a, a YouTube channel, and she's starting started. to touch on some of these things that you know the crazy stories in the in the search and everything like that. And you did this eight years every day. Every day, it was every an obsession. Day. It was an obsession. Spent- it was a hobby. It was a hobby for, me, <laughs> for you. It was, it was a hobby. Like, yeah, but. Uh- but, I mean, I, I put a ton of time into this hobby. It, yeah. it was fun. Well, expo- out being in the woods exploring is always fun. Yeah. Like finding a yeah. treasure chest worth $3 million, it makes it even better. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, it's not just the the finding of the treasure. Like, when I would go out, it would be, um, man, I would be distracted by so much other things that I wouldn't really, I'd forget to look for the treasure. You know what I mean? It's like we'd go to historical places and there's so much else to see that it was just amazing. And I forgot about the treasure altogether. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And you'd cry. I mean, like I walked on the side of a mountain almost ready to fall (laughs) off and met up with a black bear once. (laughs) 10 feet from a black bear. And uh, yeah, there's been lots of experiences like that. And have you been all over the Rocky Mountains, New Mexico, Colorado, yep. Utah, Idaho, Montana? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And you do crazy, crazy things. Stephanie <laughs> has been to more on more searches than I have, but um, I think we've both been to all four states. Plus, mm-hmm. Stephanie has gone to a few other states that uh, before Forrest ruled them out. Yeah. She went to. 
a few other states as well. Yeah. He's given hints every once in a while along the way. And so when I was searching originally, he, it was just in the mountains north of Santa Fe. That's all he said. And there's a Santa Fe, Texas. So it could have been in Texas back then even. How many times have you read that poem? Oh gosh. We haven't memorized. Probably more we'll times than that. I've than I've verbalized my children's names. <laughs> That's how much. <laughs> yes. How about you, Mindy? What how it how many times I've Have you said now. the poem? Have I said it a million times at yeah. least? Yeah, it's like yeah, we could both recite it in our sleep probably. Well, I couldn't. I, yeah. For some reason, I, I could never say the whole poem. Really? Yeah, oh I God. don't know. I think I've got a problem. <laughs> no, I think I experimented on the book, on that page in the book so much that uh-huh. I don't think, you know, like with all my weird experiments with like burning pages and stuff. I think it was more of an OCD thing with me or ADD. I, I could never, because it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I need things that rhyme. Yeah, so it was very interesting. And uh, and people are probably wondering why we're talking about Forrest Fenn on a D.B. Cooper uh, podcast. <laughs> why are we talking about Forrest Fenn on a D.B. Cooper podcast? Because <laughs> we sort of had the idea that, um, well, it crossed our minds that, you know, Forrest was an ex-pilot for the Air Force. and. Uh, what what got us Actually, on that? Forrest you know? has made comments about everybody knowing when the treasure was found. So we wondered why. Why, you oh, know, is there going to be, and I thought, there's going to be a story when it's found. Well, he has his biography in the, um, his autobiography in this, in the. Yeah, he has said it's in chest. the chest. And we're and, like, okay, well, this other okay. memoir was supposed to be that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he said the person that finds that finds the chest, it will be the kind of person that can't keep their mouth shut. Mm-hmm. So there's something in there that's going to be jaw-dropping. newsworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very newsworthy. So more newsworthy than finding a treasure chest. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, he said other things sort of, I don't know. He, it, I guess it was the culmination of things he said either privately or publicly where we just thought one day, what if he's D.B. Cooper? And so we started looking into that, actually. And it was like, oh, my gosh, he sort of could be. And we just started mm-hmm. finding more and more connections. It was crazy. Because he's larger than life. He has done so much. Right. And what what was uh, the D.B. Cooper in the in the comic book, right? Wasn't Dan, he a... Dan uh, Cooper. Right. Dan Cooper was a, a was a was he a fighter pilot in the comic book? Yeah. For the, fighter pilot, test pilot, daredevil. Correct. Yeah, and that's exactly That's exactly what how Forrest is. Yeah. Yeah. He got lost up in Yellowstone with his friend Donnie and lived out on the land for I don't know, 8 days or something like that. That's kind of one of the first things he talks about doing. He was for 20 years in the Air Force. And would talk about all the crazy things he would do um, right. and being like the best of the best in the Air Force as a pilot. Right. Uh, he owned a gallery in Santa Fe that was like 
the best gallery in Santa Fe. Everything he did, he, um, we can get into, so we're kind of going into this a little strange for people that are in your audience because they probably all started with saying, okay, who is it? Well, we, we started with this treasure and we're like, wait, he could be. So we started (laughs) making all these connections. Um, I mean, there's a million connections. There's so many connections. Like the one, one of the first things that I noticed too was, um, in one of the books or an interview or somewhere, Forrest said um, that he would fly low and slow to, yep. when he was flying it. Remember that? And then there is a, an article in the newspaper about D.B. Cooper, about fly, where, um, where D.B. had told the pilot he needed to fly, fly low and slow yeah. to avoid the radar or whatever. And I thought mm-hmm. that was weird. You know, they both said that. And so that really got me thinking. And then we just kept on finding connections. It was crazy. Yeah, we spent a couple of years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things, Forrest also taught himself how to do foundry work. So he would take oh, metals right. and he would create these bronzes or statues. And um, he told me personally that he started doing it out of his garage. And I'm thinking, okay, there's this tie with titanium on it. I got to find him because I did take some of my notes and stuff like that. Um, So he would, and he's also the resourceful kind of guy. And he actually, I don't think I have that on here, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, there's titanium and that would be found, that was on one of those planes. You're going to have to, because you know so much more, (laughs) maybe you could help us fill in some of the blanks. But yeah, really. Titanium, I, I guess, was only used in some special airplane. Yeah, the supersonic transport project. And he would probably have been, because he talked about being like the first one to take a special plane. Uh, it was not, I don't think it was that plane, but how he was like such a good pilot, you know. And I'm thinking, and oh, I could right. just see him looking around and, and finding medals and stuff at you know, wherever he was stationed or something like that, or, you know, and doing his foundry work by taking these metals. Cause he used to like also go into caves to um, do digs. He's also like an archeologist. I should have made a list of everything he is because it's crazy. I mean, any one person would be like, Oh, I did this one thing that Forrest did. And they'd be, you know, the hit of their life when he's done like 20 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it seems like in the, the DB Cooper community, if you want to call it that all of these suspects follow this same sort of pattern, like you're talking about just incredible lives. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we think we actually, Forrest hung out with his brother and another friend, Donnie. And we actually think that we're not certain it's, just Forrest, that it would have been the three of them possibly being right. involved in this and that right. he took somebody, somebody else was on the flight and they brought a parachute flight clothes or something that he would have needed to jump, which I've not really heard that. I don't know if anybody else has that theory. I've heard it, it floated before and it's totally possible. I mean, that plane made two other stops that day. So you could have got on the plane, put a duffel bag in overhead and then got off and left it on there. 
Right. And so we were watching, I was watching the um, Cronkite video and there's a guy who's coming off of the plane and I think he's got yeah. like a cowboy hat and he kind of tries to duck away from the cameras. And I totally get this idea that that could be Skippy for all we know, his brother, his brother's name is Skippy. Cause it seemed very strange and, but we don't know and enough it, about what he looked like. Yeah. In the it did look. Like I also him. heard rumor that the cowboy hat gentleman got drunk and aggressive on the flight. Are you serious? Interesting. Oh, interesting. <laughs> wow. That's I wonder if that, that was. You could did, that oh, have wow. Line with Skippy? Yeah, possibly. I don't know yeah. That, could it have been well, a diversion tactic? I have a little true nugget about Skippy. When I asked uh, for it, I mean, Skippy died while scuba diving in Mexico. And he died with his weights on, which is very unusual, I guess, for a scuba diver to um, die with their weights. Because when they're drowning, I think they let their weights go. So he drowned with 90 pounds of weight. And so I asked Forrest in an email if uh, Skippy's death was accidental. And he couldn't say. He said he just said, I don't know, and left it at that. Hmm. So there's maybe something there. I don't know. Well, I found what I found interesting about that is the fact that Skippy did die in Mexico. So DB Cooper saying, take me to Mexico was Mexico a a place that was familiar with them. Well, there, I don't know if you know this, but um, Forrest and Skippy originally were from Lubbock, Texas, or was it? No, Temple, Texas. And um, so they would have been somewhat familiar with Mexico. So I found that kind of interesting, a plane that's mm-hmm. way up in the northwest, and that's what they say is go down to Mexico is another. Some of these may seem a little, you know, reaching, but, you know. Uh, we have a takes. lot that aren't very yeah. reaching, too. Um, well, I'll tell you the first thing that I considered. Uh-huh. When, I, okay. when I heard this, that there was a Forrest Fenn connection, the first thing I did was, when was Forrest Fenn born? Because mm-hmm. if he was born in 1955, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he's 26 years old on the plane, then I'm not interested. Right. But no, he was born in 1930 and his right. brother's born in 1928. Mm-hmm. So 41, 43 years old. Yep. That's totally in line. Yeah. Yep. One of the, you know, I was talking about the titanium. Mm-hmm. Forrest wrote a uh, story that he had posted on an old military blog and one of the things he says is, um, then with only a, <clears throat> excuse me, then with only a second's pause, the fun started at 16,000 pounds of thrust and fire exploded from our tailpipes through silver plated titanium eyelids that quickly moved in and out, then settled on an optimum temperature that gave maximum power. He mentions titanium, which seems, I don't know, weird how he, he threw that in it you know, he has such an interesting way of writing. Yeah, so he does. <laughs> but just yeah. talking, I see. My thinking is that maybe he's been putting little clues out there all along, kind of toying with his audience. Like I'm putting mm-hmm. these words out there. I'm saying these things because they're funny to me. Once right. he talked about um, being in the middle of uh, running out of gas in his car. And police and everybody was surrounding him. It was just a a fable that he was kind of telling. And I'm thinking, this is before he knew that I thought 
he could be D.B. Cooper. And I'm thinking, okay, that's exactly what would have happened. That They need to fuel the plane. And you had all these, you know, cars and, and ambulances, fire trucks around. Is he describing it? Another time he talks about going up on this bridge that's like, I don't know how many stories high. And he was so afraid to take a jump from that bridge. And then one, he in front of his friends or something. Wasn't it, Mindy? Right, right. Yeah. And so he went there at night and jumped. I mean, he, yeah. he tells a lot of little stories. Yeah. Um, he's also ejected from a jet twice. So he's right. had that experience of being in a panic situation and actually and jumping mm-hmm. and knowing, yeah, ejecting and knowing that he got out. That is interesting. He oh, also- and he was also in the CIA. Let me just say one thing real quick. Go for it. Um, Back to what he put in the chest. He Mm -hmm. put three hairs in a jar in the chest. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And from hair, you can extract DNA. Um, And that's the only reason I can think of why he would put hair, his hair in the chest. is because Because of the DNA and it's to prove something. Do we know that it's his hair? Yeah, he said he three said hairs because he wanted the future people, civilization, to know who he was. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was an article in an Ohio newspaper years ago that said Forrest was in the CIA. And why I thought that was interesting is my understanding is that uh, – they're actually thinking it could be somebody in the CIA because that's the only, wouldn't I read? Oh, I don't know if I could, that's one of the reasons I wanted to read um, that book is because it I talks, can help you out a little bit with this one. The CIA was doing some covert ops uh, around Vietnam where they were testing jumping from the 727 mm-hmm. because it would look like a passenger plane. And these were very covert operations. I mean, the pilots did not know that you could jump out of the back of this airplane. Mm-hmm. They had to call flight control. Flight control had no idea. So they called Boeing and said, hey, can this plane even fly with the rear stairs down? And Boeing was aware of these tests. Mm-hmm. So they said, yeah, that plane can actually fly with the rear stairs down. Yeah, that's what I had. And I had only read that like in the last day or two. But what's interesting, it says unique to, this is on the Wikipedia, unique to CIA paramilitary units. So not just CIA, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's, are they all in the military? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It's tough with the CIA in the 60s. I mean, are they contractors? Are they working for a different division of government or military? Mm Mm-hmm. It all, it all gets real murky when you're trying to track that down, especially 50 years after the fact. Yeah. So I find that very, I, probably different, I don't know, from the other people who are being questioned as to being DB. I don't know. What Have were there been his other... CIA connections? Oh, RCA CIA connections. Forrest Fenn was CIA. And that's a fact? Yeah. I'll I'll send you if you give me your. I've got the uh, here. I'll. That's why I think 
it's so oh and I've got some other things I can't wait to share yeah, I have a ton I'm looking at my notes right now <laughs> this be like a two-hour podcast you talk so much better than I do I'm just waiting for you to say them <laughs> I know I, I what was you doing up. in the CIA here's the article it says Fenn a Texan who is retired fighter pilot and an ex-CIA agent came to Santa Fe seven years ago to slow down but so far he has been too successful to relax that's the other thing the whole reason that I think he owned a gallery is because I believe if he did this, he, he, he's known to go to Russia and other countries. I believe it was to launder the DB money. And that's why it was never found in America. Yeah. So you think he spent it overseas? I think he'd buy paintings overseas, take them back to America and then sell them in the gallery. That would be a great way to launder the money. Yeah. What you remember what Elsie said, which was sort of also sort of hinting to people. Remember when we put out the book and everyone was discussing it and they were saying, well, uh, it would be impossible to launder that much money in it or whatever. And then for uh-huh. that, uh, the poop uh, dollars on eBay and showed you how to launder the money. <laughs> He showed oh, yeah. how you can actually launder <laughs> money. Why you just said okay? <laughs> because what? Ha- okay, I have to think about how to phrase it. Um, everyone was talking about how it's impossible to launder money. Um, and so Forrest, within a couple days of that, puts out an eBay listing of a pile of ripped up money. And even like the serial numbers were ripped up. And as long as you have a certain amount of information on each piece, you can actually get new bills if you send them into the treasury or whatever. And they will, you send them in that, or you put them back together and you could get the money back or something. No, it was if it had a certain amount of information on each little shred, you could get your, your money back. And you didn't have to know the complete serial number or anything. You just, that's all you had to do. And then, so he put this pile of money that he said his dog ate and then pooped out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he said, but before I put it on eBay, I, I washed it a few times or something like that. Remember yeah. that? He washed it's it. DB Cooper it. shreds. So <laughs> no, he was giving he was giving an, an example of how to launder money. <laughs> did somebody buy the money on eBay? I think somebody yeah. did, but I think eBay pulled it and then they figured out a way to raffle it or something, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Something like that. I don't think we've mentioned it, but Forrest Finn is alive. Yeah. He is. I just I I've talked to him today, so <laughs> You yeah. talked to him today? I, did. I actually did too. <laughs> I told him about did you this tell podcast. Him that we're going. What did you say? Oh, I didn't tell him we were going to be on here. No. I did. <laughs> He'll probably hear it. Because otherwise, I don't really talk to him much anymore. But um, I have issues. Oh, I asked but... him about the CIA. I asked him, because uh, he was stationed in Florida at one time. And I don't know exactly when he was in Florida. But uh, I had asked him something about, I said, so so you were in the CIA, you were in Florida, did you deal with any hijacking of the Cuba, you know, did the CIA do that and everything? And he said the CIA works out of the country, not in the country. 
So that's all I got. He doesn't always answer, you know, the way you want him to. No, he always he never leaves answers. the door open. Right. Have you ever asked him if he was DB Cooper? Yes. He says no. What was the answer? <laughs> I think he said no once. Did he say no? Well, he's not really DB Cooper, though, is he? He's Forrest Fenn. Yeah. So I mean, That's how he, he can twist his things motto, around too. Right. He twists things, and his like life motto is uh, to tell the truth, but not all of the truth. Yeah. And what what's he always say about um, knowing being somebody? Oh, it's not who you are. It's who they think you are. Yeah. So another thing that was interesting, and and I'd love to hear your input. There were letters that were sent out after the D.B. Cooper, right? Yes. From different locations. Now, three of them, if I'm not mistaken, were sent out possibly right at the time. So it's not like it could be a copycat letter or I don't know. What's your thinking on that? I've looked into those quite a bit. I know what you're talking about. Three of them came within like a week of the hijacking. Mm-hmm. And then two or three of the other letters were quite a while after. Okay. And some of the letters say D.B. Cooper on them. Some of them, one of them, I don't know. Actually, I don't think any of them say Dan Cooper on them. Hmm. But it, it just depends. Some people plug them into their theory. Some people don't. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not sure myself. I think it's very possible that a couple of them or at least one of them are legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, th- I could have swore it was like the next day they said when I was reading. I'm like, okay, well, that almost seems then maybe it really did because who else would have had a chance to do it so quickly? Especially, my understanding is one was from California and one Washington and one British Columbia. Does that sound right? Yes, exactly. That's right exactly away. Right. All at, yeah. like right away. Well, here's... Uh, Forrest's brother lived in Washington state. So he was very well. And before I forget this, I want to say I found a record way back when I was writing the book um, that said that his dad, Forrest's dad actually took that same airlines out of the same airport. So I found that interesting. Interesting. Um, But one of the letters was from Washington. That's where his brother Skippy lived. Lived. Um, one was from British Columbia, which is where Skippy's wife lived. And one was from California, which is where Forrest's good friend Donnie was from. He was born in Hawaii, but lived in California. I'm not right. sure when, but I, you know, it, I, we, or I believe that it's those three that might have something to do with this. And so I found it very interesting that you'd almost have to be a pilot to get to all those three places to be able to do it. And also to get away, he he was very well known to just go off and do his own thing with his family and everything. He could have said he was going, you know, he would go up to Cody, uh, Wyoming to a museum. He could have said any number of things to his wife and said, I'll be back later on. And he could fly wherever he wanted to go and be back right. by dinner time. And what about the uh, chest weighing 42 pounds? Wasn't what he jumped with 24 pounds or 20? Or- yeah, 20 to 21 pounds. Oh, yeah, 21 pounds. So 21 times 2 is 42, right? Yeah, that math adds up to me. Yeah. And he said he made two trips to hide the treasure, carrying, what, 21 pounds each? <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing is, 
I don't know. I got to see if I can find this in my notes uh, more precise. Oh, here it is. Um, one of the FBI agents talked about the person needing to be related out in the, you know, uh, in Europe. Forrest was in mm-hmm. Europe. His parents were actually in an earthquake in Hebgen Lake up in uh, by Yellowstone. And I once asked him, where were you when that happened? And he told me he was in um, Germany at the time. And uh, there, that's the connection with that Dan Copper, or Dan, um, Dan uh, Cooper, sorry, not Copper. And uh, <laughs> I forget, I had looked up the place and it was like not far from where that comic was, where it originated from. It's like two hours from where Forrest was and that. So that's a possibility. That would have been, I think, in the 50s, I think. When Do you know when that comic book came out oh i don't know off the top of my head Mm, yeah probably around the 50s i think he was a vietnam pilot right dan cooper i want to say was he i'm not positive or maybe oh if that's the case that that. would be much later than when forrest was there but forrest would have i'm sure gone back to europe do you think he chose the name dan cooper based on the comic book no well i don't think he did he uh yeah, probably. Because doesn't he talk about comic books an awful lot? Yeah, he talks about comic books. He loves but comic also, books. Also, I was looking back at my emails with you, Mindy, and you had mentioned that he's got some relative named Ida Cooper. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So maybe he pulled that, you know, when they're trying to come up with a name or something. Right. Were there any authentic interviews with DB, you know, where they... There were some supposedly authentic interviews published in newspapers. The only one would be Max Gunther. Okay. Is that um, the one and we don't even know. If- it says that- like A-N-O-N as one of the interviewers. No, the Max Gunther book is from 1985. Okay. 1985, Max Gunther. And he said that, was that any of that published in a newspaper? I'm not sure. It probably was. But the Max Gunther book, he gets in touch. D.B. Cooper dies. And then he gets back in touch with his widow, essentially, who finishes the story off. And then Max Gunther publishes the book saying he believes it's true, but he can't verify any of the information. Hmm. Huh, because Mindy sent me a long, long time ago... Mm -hmm. um, an interview. Do you remember that, Mindy? I do. I remember a lot of things in that interview were, were um, and they were talking about it possibly being fake at the time. I don't know. I don't remember exactly because there were several different interviews that were mm-hmm. supposedly authentic. So I don't know which one this is from. Mm-hmm. But in the one that I, there are two things in the, in the, in one of them that I saw that were interesting. One of them where um, the interview asked DB uh, why he did it, why he hijacked the plane. Uh, DB supposedly responded, skip it. <laughs> Remember? Mm-hmm. Skip yeah. it. You know, like skippy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then also he, in another one of those interviews, it talks about um, a woman named Irene. And Irene was someone that DB supposedly was in love with. And um, he talked about feeling warm when he was near her. 
And if Horace likes you, he will tell you that he feels warm when he's mm-hmm. talking to you. Remember, he does that a lot. Yeah, he does do that. And uh, when he was talking about this woman, Irene, who happened to be Donnie's first wife, by the way. Um, I'm not Donnie's first wife, Skippy's first wife. Um, he talks about feeling warm and he talks about Irene uh, basically rejecting him. And I think maybe that's what happened in real life. Um, Forrest, you know, Irene was his age, but fell in love with Skippy, right? And so so Skippy married Irene, was it? Yeah, Skippy married Irene, and so Forrest married Peggy. Um, But I think he always had a thing for Irene. But, you know, I can't prove that. That's my opinion. Um, Yeah, I had seen in the same interview... Yeah, that interview. The same interview. He, um, oh, and this is interesting anyway, even if the interview's not legit. True. But the interviewer had asked him something about when did you start thinking about doing this? And he said it was a year and six months ago. And he said, why? And he said, something happened to to make me do that. Well, here's the timeline. Uh, Forrest retired from the Air Force September 1970 and moved to Santa Fe in 1972. And then DB happened in 71. So it's almost like it was, and, and where'd he get the money to open this gallery too? And right. so it's, that was almost like a year and a half, like it was a year and two months, you know, prior that he moved to, or that he retired and then it happened. Yeah. And how many people leave the military with enough money to start an art gallery? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he worked in metals. I mean, they somebody, one of the FBI people had said might have some kind of relation to metal because of the titanium. And it wasn't even, I mean, why would you have metal? Even if you're like, if I'm around metal, it's going to be, you know, an object. It's not going to like get on a tie or a piece of clothing. I wouldn't think, right. but in a foundry exactly. things spark off all the time. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, Forrest posted a scrapbook on Dale's site, um, thethrillthechase.com, where he posted a picture of a thousand dollar bill and specifically mentioned the serial number. Yeah. And, you know, remember that? I thought that was sort of odd, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are would, things before the DB thing was yeah, even before, brought up. all before this is all brought up. And also, we were wondering, too, I know that, um... I had heard the FBI agent Larry Carr had, I guess, said that the cigarette butts are no longer there for DNA. And I thought, that's correct. Why I actually saw, a, I saw a document that said uh, an FBI 302 document was released recently that they were to inspect the cigarette butts for evidence and uh-huh. then quote, throw them away when you're done. Oh, oh, man. So they didn't even have the foresight to think that there could be evidence beyond potentially a fingerprint on one of the wow. cigarette Oh, do they still have any fingerprints? I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Wow. They might. I mean, they <clears throat> said they col- they collected like 60. I think they do actually have portions of it in the FBI file. Interesting. Another thing was the tie. I was thinking, don't do the military guys ha- like the clip-on ties? I think... You know, and so I was looking up to see, okay, did, I heard it was from J.C. Penney's, did, were they a contractor of the Air Force? 
And I think I saw something that in something online, I mean, there's not a lot from back then, where they had been a contractor for something else, not ties. I'm wondering what the uniform would have, what the, you know, what they would have been able to get for clothing (laughs) in the military. Maybe he was used to wearing a tie. And as far as the eye color difference, too, that would go with the CIA uh, kind of technology. Um, I believe that contact colored contacts were in existence for the in within the CIA at the time of that hijacking. And yeah, he I shows believe so. That he likes to dress up too. He showed you know where he would dress oh, yeah. up for Halloween. And I think did he say something about changing his appearance? Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I can't remember was. that. Okay, but he did scratch. Uh, he did say about the, um, he did have a whole chapter dedicated to wearing loafers. And he keeps oh, yeah. on talking about that. And DB was wearing uh, loafers when he jumped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He says he wears hush puppy shoes, the loafers. Yeah, loafers. And then uh-huh. um, what else? He talks about postmen and uh, looking at the most wanted pictures. Um I think that was one. He talks about Jackie Kennedy's brandy bottle. Uh, Cooper drank a brandy on the plane. Mm. Oh, and uh, oh, the one thing I wanted to talk about is, was that suitcase actually a bomb or could it have been a beacon? Because he says that when he got taken out in Vietnam, he was ejected, that they had to look for him using a beacon. Well, and then he talks in, in one of his stories, he talks about how his brother Skippy built him a radio. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe that what was in that suitcase was just supposed to look like a bomb when in fact it was a beacon. And that's how they picked him up from wherever he would have fallen. He was used to being, you know, ejected into the woods. I mean, he wouldn't have had, he would have known the outcome better than anybody else since that actually did happen to him. Right. Which also leads to the uh, story. Didn't we read in the newspaper that there was a a rancher couple that had actually seen a small plane land Mm -hmm. on their ranch that night? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you heard about that, Darren? Um, Yeah. Where there was two men in the place. Was it two men? That got out and there got was, back in. They said it was really off. weird. It was it was a property where people would go hunting, and there was a right. a homemade oh, yeah. airstrip on it, and it was like the night before, I believe. That and I think it was bad oh, weather okay. that night too. Bad weather, uh huh. And a plane took off as if like a pickup truck was meeting the plane, and then the the plane took off. And Forrest has also mentioned too. That his brother Skippy could fly a plane but didn't have a license. So we're wondering, all this is guessing. And maybe Mm -hmm. people in the DB community can put things together even better than we can. And and maybe it's something. Um, But we, I don't know. I believe that it's all three of them could have had something to do with it. Right. Was he a smoker? We don't know, but he's got breathing problems now. He does have breathing problems now. And also he did mention though in Vietnam that uh about how soldiers would trade uh oh, yeah. cigarettes. Didn't and, he say and he traded like a pack of cigarettes for those shoes? 
Yeah, he did. So, and what better way? You know, he always it prides himself of thinking things out, of having a plan B or whatever. And um, what better way? I mean, it's a great way to cover your tracks, change your eye color, um, mm-hmm. do stuff you don't normally do. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a CIA tactic. You, you be someone who you be someone that you're not, so you don't arouse suspicion. And that's what DB may have done. Okay, let me I ask agree. you this: since you guys actually know Forrest Finn, mm-hmm. do you think he's the kind of guy who could remain calm, cool, and collected? A hundred percent. Yes, hundred percent. Oh my gosh! Yeah, totally. He already has a history with the FBI, and it's like to me the thrill of the chase. Everything is sort of throwing. Like if he is DB Cooper, it's like a big hiding in plain sight kind of thing throwing out Uh hint after hint after hint look i'm right here but you idiots can't see me you Uh know what i mean he's throwing it in the face of the government the fbi he had the fbi he is anti-government too yeah he's anti-government he was very upset with the government over the war right yeah he's definitely he doesn't like the fbi um he is definitely calm, yeah. Definitely. And he's called himself a rake. A rake being, you know, not always the greatest person. He calls right. himself a lot about a fraud. A fraud. <laughs> in one of his stories in, in The Thrill of the Chase, he talks about his dad having to burn both ends of a candle or something. You know, because he's not always, you know, but he appears to be incredibly... People who are searching... Will never Love say anything him. bad. <laughs> they will never say anything bad. And if you do accuse him of anything, you will be. Oh, I yeah. mean, I've gotten. We've both gotten <laughs> yeah, we've been both gotten death threats for the things we said. Yeah. From Forrest? No, no, no. no, no. no is fine with it all. I mean. Uh, there's just like a cult like. Um, yeah. following he has a cult-like following because i think everybody thinks that he's already given them personally this chest they're almost gonna find it so they stick up for him like no crazy. matter what yeah. yeah no matter what and I mean, um yeah he's extremely charismatic he's very charismatic he can be very generous he can be very friendly mm-hmm. but then you have to think okay it's not who who i am it's but didn't he tell you, Stephanie, hmm. it's what? not who I am, but it's who I can make you believe I am. And it's Vaguely. like, okay, so he projects himself out as this saintly person about how generous he is, about uh, all the great things he's done and all the famous people he's met. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's not who he really is. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a darker side. I oh yeah once he told me this was an interesting conversation he said mm-hmm. something about he was around uh there's a guy named dale and he's also one of the early this happened really early like 2011 2012 he said that him dale and um one of the authors doug preston uh were sitting at at Forrest's house and they were he's explaining this conversation Forrest does to me saying something about all people are evil and um I'm thinking to myself okay why would Dale say that why you know that's not true everybody's good you know from deep inside you know 
conversation goes on because I'm the one who said it. <laughs> We're all born evil. I'm like, it, I, it took me by surprise because here I thought he could do no, no wrong, you know? So that really surprised me. And he totally brags about forgeries. Uh, oh, about all collecting, the time. Collecting, mm -hmm. uh, what's that one uh, artist, Mindy? Elmer, was it Elmer? D. La. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway but that the artist that we're talking about um only does was doing forgeries and he taught he collected those forgeries and he would go in to um caves and get the uh you know all the indian artifacts out when he shouldn't really have done that it was illegal and there's a big story that you could probably find online where the FBI came and out of, I don't know how many people they were trying to get in trouble for taking Indian artifacts. They took a few things from Forrest and for some reason they went away. And I, I think everybody else was busted, but him. They were. Um, Forrest is a master of manipulating conversation. He is a master mm -hmm. of talking his way out of things. And he even brags about it in a, article that I found on the Wayback Machine on the internet that was posted on his blog before the chase. He took it down before he launched the chase uh -huh. and, it, and it bragged about um, how he had to talk fast when a, uh, what was it, a postal inspector uh, from the government came to arrest him uh -huh. for forging an Indian pot that he had sent a um customer that had broken and they discovered that it was partially forged it wasn't what it was supposed to be like a genuine indian pot they were it's actually a broken indian pot that was put together with with a uh, cement uh -huh. and he bragged about talking his way out of that and he talked his way out and the postmaster left and nothing happened but he admitted in there that his pot was not exactly as uh, he had claimed it was to be when it was sold. So, um, which would be a huge issue for someone who deals in art. Correct. And mm -hmm. oh, by the name that that art forger was Elmer Dahore. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that right. No, yeah, I, I think you did. pronounced wrong. And then there was the whole thing with his. Uh, uh, bromance i guess with um the guy that forged the clovis points remember and even forrest thought they were real and uh so he said he had to get to know that guy so and they forged a friendship i guess uh -huh. <laughs> so i mean he loved seemed to love forgeries and i believe that sitting bowl pipe uh -huh. is a forgery i think it's forged i don't Do think it's think? real I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think he, a lot of times will make something valuable. <laughs> like yeah. An item and letters like will those. appear to authenticate it. But I, I mean, I think that's the art world in general. And I don't know if he's doing that. I'm just saying maybe. <laughs> and the, the Duveen brothers uh, that he talks about so often um, deal with, dealt with forgeries also. They were big forgery dealers. Oh, and also here's another, I'm reading over my notes, so if I'm quiet, which is probably a good thing. Um, but he was talking about turning off the oxygen in the back of the plane. Wait, um, 
did he didn't he do something oh he talks in where's the one story where he's flying on the east coast and he talks about the light being red and, and about losing oxygen remember that mindy uh, say that again. Sorry. Where he, where Forrest is after a party, he had to fly somewhere. Oh, right. Uh huh. He thought maybe something about a red light and losing oxygen. Right. He was flying a plane from uh somewhere down south up to like no Newfoundland or somewhere like that, and um up above a certain up above fifty five thousand feet your blood starts to boil or something like that or bubble and um he had to check the blink to make sure the blink on the indicator on the panel of the plane to make sure he was getting enough oxygen. Right. And didn't D B like tell them to you know, something with the oxygen or something? Yeah, he had them fly with the plane depressurized. Depressurized, that's right? The word. And that's why another reason what they were flying low uh, and slow. Mm-hmm. Did you guys send your book to Forrest? Oh, yeah. Well, the whole time I was writing it, I was sending him a chapter. Now, Forrest is not an eager type of person at all. He's so patient. Whatever happened, I was sending him a chapter at a time when I was doing it. He started actually asking me for the next chapter. He's like, you know, have you written anything, you know? And that's not like him really to seem, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then um, there was a situation where he, there was somebody who wanted to do a movie on his life. And I'm not supposed to say who it is or anything. Um, Guy has a lot of money. And Forrest was all over, you know, that this guy should take the book and do the story on that and then he asked me if I wanted him to go about doing that and I saw what the guy wanted the guy seemed to me more about just writing about Forrest and not this when I wrote the book because these are all just like things that we're noticing that are you know pretty eerily like DB I didn't have any facts so I wrote it all in just like a a story you know just fiction. And so I don't think the guy that was doing the movie wanted to do that. So he basically was saying that if I signed it over to him, that he could do whatever he wanted. And so that's why I didn't go with the guy, because I thought he would just shelf it and then it would never get out there. But the way Forrest wrote to this guy about how much he loved the the book and, you know, was excited to see it. He thinks it'd be crazy good and everything like that. But Something very strange then happened, too. <laughs> Was it, we put it, did we put it on Amazon? Mindy, you did it, right? We put it on Amazon, yeah. Because uh, on Chase Chat, someone else had connected the dots and said, maybe he is, what if Forrest is D.B. Cooper? And this is before we said anything. Mm-hmm. And... um you freaked out a little bit, I think, and wanted it pr- <laughs> published I right away. away. <laughs> <laughs> and wanted it. That's when I found out that you had actually written a book. Oh, yeah. And- I was going to surprise yeah. Mindy the whole time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I took all our ideas, and here we go. We're, we're 50-50 on this, you know? Yeah. And she was shocked. Okay, it was great. But, yeah, I was shocked. But um, I thought it was really good. And uh, Forrest you know he was at that point he was like don't do that because once you 
He freaked out on me. I don't know what happened, but he said something about the Pentagon. I I know what happened. Um, What he said was, what happened was, he said he was getting emails from a bunch. He he said 81 emails, and one was from a judge advocate general in the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. He was going to write an article about him being D.B. Cooper in Military Officer Magazine. And um, he, yeah, so then he's he said like, he was getting a lot of harassment. He didn't think anyone would believe it, but people did believe it. And he was mm-hmm. getting pressured. People had written him. He told me, uh, or other searches said that they had sent him emails saying that they weren't going to search anymore. That they well, I didn't even know didn't, anything about that. He didn't have the, uh, he thought it, it created such a backlash that that's why he pulled away from it Mm. because he didn't think anyone would believe us, but people did believe us. Well, it seems like he wants to be associated with it, but until the pressure comes on, right. And he doesn't. Yes. He thought he would be looked on as, I don't know. uh, This is my guess from this point. My guess is he thought people would look on him like, a folk hero as you know a lot of people do look on at db cooper and he didn't think anyone would believe us and if people did believe us they'd think maybe he was that folk hero but no it didn't happen like that what happened was is people really got on his case and i think his wife i think his wife got on his case i think his kids got on his case saying this is too much and he backed out. <laughs> yeah. Because I think he was getting pressure at that time also from his wife and kids because a lot of different stuff was happening. Like the searchers had, searcher had died, I think, by that point. And uh, I think he was getting pressure from his family that enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And the D.B. Cooper thing sent it over the edge. Yeah. And could he be prosecuted for this today? He right. could. Well, that's what, during this whole thing, the FBI comes out and says, okay, we're done with this, you know? And I was like, oh gosh, it was going to be exciting. I did actually oh. send it. I told Forrest I was going to do this. I told him, uh, and I sent it to the FBI. I don't remember who. I also think I sent it to that uh, Tom K because he was in charge of that group. I can't remember who else I would have, but I'm almost sure I did. Hmm. But I, I mean, it was kind of a joke in a way with me and Forrest that, I mean, I didn't think anything would, you know, come of it or anything like that. And he never seemed scared or anything, you know, I'm like, but he wouldn't always answer, you know? So I'm like, you know, can I send this to the FBI? And he, he would ignore it. So I'm like, okay, that was an okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know. Also his poem, this is a little cryptic. I don't know. It's kind of a stretch maybe, but his poem is constantly talking about the nine clues in the poem, the nine clues in the poem. And Dan Cooper has nine letters. So that was that. He's always saying, too, that he prays for D's. And I guess those clips on the parachute things are D clips? D rings. D rings. So those were just little you know, little things that we were looking at. He talks about parachutes a lot. Yeah. Even, even when he's not talking about ejecting from a plane. I got an email from him once. I showed him a, we were at a theme park at Universal Studios or whatever, and I said, I'm getting ready to go on this forest. And I just sent him a picture of this 
roller coaster. And he wrote back like almost immediately, like he, he always does <laughs> and said, um, I hope you have a parachute. And he talks about parachutes a lot. And we did find some other parachute similarities, but I can't find those notes. I know. This is over oh, wow. a year or so. <laughs> I know. We have, like, I'm looking through hundreds of emails, literally. And his brother did live in Washington State, which is really kind of, I mean, that's right there. So he mm -hmm. would have been, he was familiar with that airport, I'm sure, because, like I said, I, I don't know how I would have found this, but I saw, like, a ticket or something uh, from his dad. Uh, for that same airlines that flew out of there. Um, and he was very well-versed in, you know, the wilderness up in that area. And where did, where did Skippy live in Washington? Um, you know, um, I don't know. Do you know? I do. It was near Seattle, I think. Um, it's in King County. I know that. Um, it starts with a B. <laughs> I can't remember it off the top <laughs> of my head. Could it be Bellevue? Not Bellingham? really sure. Maybe Bellingham. I think that's I, where Dale's from, Bellingham. No, Dale is Isn't from that he island. He's from Lumi Island. Yeah, uh, but where he works is Bellingham, because I'd look at his IP all the time. But, yeah, Skippy. <laughs> well, when remember, he was out Creighton, searching or, huh? Creighton, was, uh, Creighton was Skippy's son. Creighton and Dale were friends. So could be that that... They, that Creighton lives in Bellingham, and that's where Skippy lived. Can't remember. I can't remember where. Yeah, we might. But it's definitely King County. I remember that because I remember seeing that his death was reported to reported to King County. King County. Mm-hmm. And in, in Washington State, and I know that Seattle is in King County, but I'm oh, pretty okay. sure the place he lived started with a B, but I cannot remember right off the top of my head. He does talk about when Skippy died in Mexico, that he had to bribe two Mexican officials to get him home. Right. And we should have buried him standing and, up. Right. And he doesn't, Skippy uh, does not have his own grave. Um, he, uh, Forrest told me that he took Skippy's ashes with his dad and they snuck into the cemetery at night and buried Skippy on top of his mother. And another thing, when I was, this is That's just something scary. when I was That's talking. Weird. That is weird, isn't weird? it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'd like to no, find no, out it, where Skippy is. Skippy really buried that way? And, you know, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen Skippy's death certificate. And I've looked. Yeah. There was, we had one theory that pegged Skippy as dying as DB, didn't we? That That it was actually Skippy that was DB. Oh, right, right, right. And, and that Forrest covered up the idea that he died by saying he died in Mexico or something. Correct. Yes. I don't know if and we I, ever discounted that idea. Because know, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people say he died in Cosimo, Mexico in a diving accident. accident. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if his death was just failed to be reported, but I looked through the records of every single diving death in Mexico from 19... I think like I went five years before he died and five years after he died. And there is no mention of, of a uh, William Marvin Fenn Jr. Or Skippy. And what year was it supposedly that he died? Huh? I'm sorry. What year was it? Uh, I think it was 1975, I believe, but I'm that's off the top of my head. I can't remember for sure. I can find it real quick. I'm 
Yeah, one thing when I was talking to Forrest early on, too, is I said, oh, why don't you fly out, you know, because I was in Chicago at the time. Why don't you fly out to Illinois? He goes, I don't fly commercial anymore. <laughs> now, looking 19, back, it's kind yeah. of funny if, if this was, right. you know. <laughs> 1978. Oh, okay. So probably not, because that, how do you hide his whereabouts for six years? Right. Do you two think that the drop zone's accurate? Do you think he jumped out near Ariel? That I don't know. It never that really I don't was know. that much. I mean, we were more about just making the physical Well, we kinda... did think about where he might have gone. We he does talk about ever looking for Lewis, Lewis and Clark. And, and that's like, is it Lewis County or something there? Right. The Lewis the, River. The Lewis and then River. Lewis County oh, is right. two counties north. Oh, right. And he talks about, like, you know, looking for Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did talk about possibly that uh, wherever he jumped out, either Donnie or Skippy, if if Forrest was DB, was waiting on the ground to pick him up. But I think he just said that earlier. <laughs> can't remember. Yeah. Well, I think the beacon, I mean, that's, yeah, it, the, the he beacon. would have known exactly how to, what that is and and he actually used it and it worked they did pick him up in vietnam in a clearing so yeah and i've discussed this with a bunch of other people what reason is there for the bomb to be real mm-hmm. exactly right Except i don't think it was a, real a scare tactic. i don't think, yeah i don't think he ever planned to use a bomb i don't think he ever planned to blow anyone up i think he just uh it was oh here's another tactic. thing uh, forrest would write what what they call scrapbooks and he would post them to Dale's uh, blog. One of the scrapbooks showed a bill that had the corner bent. And when we were looking at the examples of the bills for DB, they had the corners bent. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It was exactly the same, wasn't it? Or really. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that was before we've said anything about it. So I think I think he's been hinting about it for a long time. I think he was hinting true. for his own pleasure, and I think yeah, you know, and to throw it in the face of the FBI or whoever the government. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm right under your nose. You guys have been looking for me for all this time. Well, here I am, and I'm throwing out hints. Yeah, one of you mentioned it earlier, but you said there was a good chance he'll probably listen to this. So, yeah, do you he think will. he he's the kind of guy who gets off on? Hearing people talk about him and oh yeah, I, I did this, but it was a secret. They don't know it was me. Yeah, I think he. Yeah. I think he is always secretly amused about so oh, much. Yeah, I think he is too. He's the type of person he'll sit there and he won't say anything, and you know his mind is laughing, you know, or <laughs> or calculating. I mean, he's a very good listener. Yeah. <laughs> when when he can hear. <laughs> oh, Skippy died November of 1978. Yeah. So I don't think that, I think that theory, that might have blown our theory on that. Didn't you say, I, hmm. um, you had thought, Mindy, that you had found, and I kept asking you, where's that information? Where's that information? That Skippy worked for Boeing? Yeah, I needed to, I know, I I'm looking through my notes now. I remembered it at the beginning of this, and I've been looking for it, and I'm not finding it. But I, it was a newspaper clipping. I should go to. I go oh, to here's another thing com. too. 
if you ever find that, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> but here's another thing. Forrest didn't want to wear ties. That's why he, remember, oh, yeah, he didn't right. want to wear a tie. Yeah, he didn't want to wear a tie. He wanted to wear loafers. So Yeah, and blue jeans. He didn't want to wear a tie to work. And, I mean, um, he it so had to, that's too much of a coincidence. There's if, so much. Even if he isn't DB, he, that had to have been <laughs> yeah. making him want to say something to. And what about pirating? What about pirates? Yeah. You, you know, aren't hijackers air pirates? Yeah. So basically, he pirated a plane. And he talks about pirates all the time and about how there are pirates, that there could be pirates in his family. So. Oh, and this was something he had said to me. He asked me, do I know, well, he said the word pie, P-I-E in the book a lot. And I asked, he, he once asked me, he goes, do you know what the word pie means? And I'm like, no. And he's like, steps, it means steps. Out of the blue, he just, you know, the conversation really had nothing to do with anything. I find it so interesting that you two have access to him and that uh. you've spent a lot of time talking to him and that, <laughs> wow. but it's, everything's still a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both have come to the point though, to realize <laughs> that you're just, I don't know, not, it's not going to go anywhere talking to him. Yeah. He doesn't, he gives just enough to like make you wonder, I guess. Without being able to prove anything. Well, he talked about a needle in a haystack, and Seattle has the needle. And Seattle has the needle? Seattle. Yeah. What is yeah, it? The, the, what is it? What the is space it? needle? Yeah, 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 the space needle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little... From the wrong side <laughs> of the country, I was like... Have you two... I'm, I'm guessing the answer to this is yes, but since we're in kind of similar communities myself and you two have you had the experience of lying in bed at night wondering what the hell you're doing spending all your time on this yes um yeah not so much lately but <laughs> yeah <laughs> not as much lately i mean yeah in the past when things got really um crazy, crazy. i you know calling out forest you know he 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 is not he doesn't exactly speak the truth all the time and if you call him out on it, you will get raked over the coals by the community. And I'm not afraid to call him out on stuff. I mean, I don't care. I don't care if I find the treasure or not. I've never cared about that. I care about the only, it's always been a hobby. To, it's always been fun. And the treasure, I don't care about the money. I have money. I don't need it. But um, to get, you know, death threats in your emails for two years straight and have it, then they, some people created a whole nother forum <laughs> about just hating me, about creating lies. And I had to get a lawyer to send cease and desist and the libel and all of that. It's just like, yeah, then I, by then I was like, what am I doing? You know, why do I feel like I have to defend myself all the time? But at the same time, I'm not going to let people lie about me, too. Yeah. So. I found what I remember I was saying. I found the ticket or something. It's It was an Ancestry page, and it was a travel document for Mr. William Fenn. Uh, here's, hmm. let's see. He would have been about 26. It was... Uh, the name, Mr. William Fenn, uh, mm -hmm. 
race, nationality, USA, port of departure, Tokyo, Japan, arrival date, March 17, 1954, port of arrival, Seattle, Tacoma Airport, Washington. That's the airport, oh, right? I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And airline, Northwest Airlines. So his dad took that same airlines and was out, you know, used that airport back in the in the 50s. So you know, Forrest would have definitely known that. And then knowing where the um, Air Force base was from there, because he was in the Air Force. He was a major in the Air Force. Hmm. So that scene, he told me the other day, I go, I said, I don't know how I phrased it, but I'm like, did anybody ever, um, because one of the FBI agents said something like they had like a hundred people that they questioned, pilots and people who worked. And I'm like, did they ever question you? And he goes, no, the only one who ever questioned me was you. <laughs> but I, I find that hard to believe. Really. Well, I don't because he covered his tracks so well. I mean. But how he, do you cover his tracks? He's an amazing pilot. He got. He's a, but that's all. Those, the, the color of his eyes, the um, color of his eyes, the way he smoked on the plane when he was known in the history. Do you think that just disqualified him, his eye color? I, yeah, I think I back in the 50s, they weren't as savvy because only the CIA, I think, had the technology for colored contacts back then. Uh-huh. So if you had different eye colors to the... Or did he even? I mean, he was wearing public. aviators the whole time. Right? That's true. Most but they the said time. his eyes yeah. were, were brown. Did yeah, brown, brown and his... Yeah. And his are blue. Are blue. But I I don't put that much weight in that, you know. Mm-hmm. When was the last time? Oh, I guess now is not a good time to ask when the last time you're on a plane was. But mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're on a plane and you sit next to someone, you get off the plane, and I asked you, Mindy, what color was their eyes? The person you were sitting next to, right? Exactly. You wouldn't. Yeah, really I wouldn't know. know. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate when people talk about. Oh, the height is off. DB Cooper right. was. Ten, but this suspect is only five eight, or he's six two. Correct. Yeah. Anyone People get stuff wrong in an airplane. Right. Exactly, and that's true. People get people when they describe for sketch artists, they get it wrong mm-hmm. much of the time. Well, there was know? some something I read where. I don't know, maybe it was that weird interview that we were talking about where DB said, or maybe it was one of the letters that it didn't even look like him. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Right. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Another thing is it was done on Thanksgiving. And like I said, those letters came from British Columbia where Skippy's wife lived. So would he have taken them to go see her family for Thanksgiving? And then Donnie's family is in California. I mean, it seems very strange. These three letters would all go at around the same time. And it's Thanksgiving. That's where you do go back to see family. Right. So maybe they had to rush around and go to these places to make an appearance. There was actually more um, in the FBI vault that had, uh, there's 35 pages in the vault. There is more about those letters that I thought we found. Oh, and he speaks and he tells a story about this boss that he had called Frosty and says that Frosty was the ruler, a king is a ruler, and that's King County. I think we were talking about that. That's a pretty deep connection right there. Yeah, that's a deep one. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's cool. pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let me see here. 
Okay. Do you think he's the kind of guy who would plan to do this on a holiday weekend like that? Absolutely. Why do you think that, Stephanie? Because he makes his own rules. He could have easily said to his family, listen, you guys get the turkey in the oven. I'll be back about seven and get leftovers or something like that. And he would know that that would be part of a good alibi as well. You know what I mean? Uh, Hey, I was with my family. Yeah. And just the timing of it is so perfect. Mm -hmm. All the longtime employees will be on vacation. Uh, so you have kind of the B squad filling in over the holiday weekend. And he wasn't really working at that time. He had the gallery, which was his own. I mean, you know, I don't know. Wait, yeah, did he have he a gallery own, at that uh... time? I think he, what came first, the gallery? I think he had just opened it. He got an old house there that he they were renovating. So he had nobody to answer to as far as work. No one would have reported him missing. He did, Hey, right. Forrest didn't show up for work on Tuesday. Right. Why do you think he did it? Uh, I think he wa- well, I think he was very into like heroes and daredevils and things like that. Um, growing up, I think you know. I know he told stories about you know explorers and things like that. I think he had the nerve. I think he's like. I think he you know had some kind of pent up anger over you know, what the government did with, with those guys. He, um, one of the things he, I had found a post of his online and he was very upset about a friend that was missing in the military. And he was asking, does anybody know where this friend is? Um, you know, any information? And because, you know, I had built a friendship with him and everything, I really put a lot of time and effort into finding out more about that friend. I found out that like a couple years prior, they had found out that he had taken a flight and was found dead. So he was no longer MIA. He was, you know, um, and I gave that information to Forrest and he actually CC'd me with some other military people. And you could just tell who must have been friends with this guy. You could just tell how important it was and how upset he was that his friend had died. Um, and I asked him later a little bit more about it. And he said that he, this friend went to him. He was the guy's superior and asked for a recommendation to take on this, you know, job. And Forrest said, you're crazy. That's a a crazy job. Don't be doing that and everything. And that the guy was adamant about wanting to do it. And so Forrest signed the, uh, you know, thing saying, yeah, he's good enough to go. And that was like the mission the guy went on and was no longer, didn't come back. So I felt really good closing that for Forrest, but I think he probably, you know, since that was, I don't know, 20 years later that he wrote on this, you know, thing or 40 years, whatever, um, it still was with him. And I'm sure that made him angry towards the war. I mean, I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. Right. So was the Reno, Nevada uh, letter legit your guest is as good as mine okay if you look up look it up online um it says reno newspaper reno nevada and on the end of of nv um it the right side of the end the line that goes up it looks mm-hmm. like there's he added an f hmm. and then there's another f at the bottom there's two 
there's one, two, three extra lines that make it FF. Interesting, because he signs everything FF or F. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting connection. I've heard that associated with the Zodiac Killer as well. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, hey, but I mean, he said now. he put his freaking initials right there to the newspaper. FF. That's interesting. Yeah, look at the cu- the envelope on that letter. I haven't seen it. I, I want to see it when you get a chance. Yeah, uh, just Google it. I just and he talks Googled about it. gambling, so that would have a, a connection with Vegas. I mean. That's a big part Martin, of the chase, know, yeah. you know, his, he does that poem. And then also one of the letters was supposed to be from Florida and he was in Florida. You know, he lived here, right. but I mean, he, he's a pilot, so he would go anywhere and everywhere. Yep. Um, but Skippy building a radio, the radio for the beacon, possibly. And it makes sense why he took the bomb with him. Right. Oh, good point. That's a really good point because it's extra weight. Why would you want it? Unless yeah, he just I was just discussing this with a friend. Mm-hmm. If the bomb's fake, why jump with it? Yeah. Why not just either leave it on the plane or throw it away out the out the tail end of the airplane? Mm-hmm. But he held on to it. It was never found. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing why I think that he brought parachutes, which would mean that he had to have had an accomplice, is do you really, if you're going to do something like this, are you really going to trust somebody else bringing you the parachute that's going to save your life. That's no insane. kidding. I mean, who's going to do that? And then I'm thinking, are we even sure that he didn't like have the parachute? Maybe he was tying the beacon to his waist or something like that, the, the case. And maybe he used that parachute for the money to go down. I don't know, but I sure right. as heck wouldn't trust somebody else. And then they're saying that that one parachute, you can't really maneuver, I was hearing on a video. Yeah, I mean, you can you can pull some of the strings and maybe shift one way or the other slightly, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be able to hit a bullseye on the ground with that parachute. Right. He's got things that he shows in his, uh, I'm going over my notes somewhere, in the chest. One is a frog, which jumps. Then there's an Asian carving in there, which stipulates Orient like the plane, Colombian necklace, he says, which is the Colombian river. Those are just little, I mean, little is he toying with things. us and, and throwing those in there? I like it. Yeah. And he also, you know, mentioned Jill Cooper in that one thing too. Oh, did he? Jill Cooper. I don't remember who she was, but I remember Jill Cooper. Dan Cooper for the comic was a test pilot in the Royal Canadian Air Force. And oh. this was before I think he had either of his kids. So you would have a little, I think it was, let's see. I don't know uh, when no, Kelly was born, had, but Zoe was. two. They were two. Oh, we, yeah, they were already. Yeah. Yeah. Comic series was conceived in 1954. So DB would know who Dan Cooper was. Okay. There were several editions uh, out before then, which would mean that he would pretty much have to have some knowledge of uh, the canadian canada of canada and washington being so close where washington yellowstone's not all that far right i don't know right well i've actually seen evidence that that comic book was published i want to say in french and in spanish correct i see the french in here his dad told him to grab every banana canada is a very french speaking country 
But the thing is, too, is like when I lived in Washington State, we'd go. I knew Canada very well. So I don't know. Origin for the marriage, original language, I did, French. D.B. hair is parted on the left side, and he was parting his hair on the left side. I have that. Yeah. If that matters. I have that, too. He looks pretty similar to the sketch. Yeah. Enough that, I mean, I think that, you know, there's enough of a similarity. Like you were saying, who do you, you know, how do you describe? I've actually had where I had to, you know, describe somebody you know, for a crime. And I'm like, what the way they had me do it. Now this was back in the eighties and 84. They have you take these acetates that have lines on them. And they're like, okay, what does nose look like? And you put that on there. I I'm sure whoever I came up with, cause I was a kid at the time had nothing to do. with. I yeah. was just like, that looks good. Yeah. yeah I thought it was going to be an actual <laughs> artist who did it, but <laughs> sorry yeah and they actually made a second version of the sketch a year later I, I've yeah that, that one I thought looked a lot, a lot more like him or, or something or it was like more like Skippy one or the other hmm. more like Skippy that's interesting like they're one looks like Forrest and one looks like Skippy right interesting yeah do you think yeah. that he could be prosecuted of this today if we no. he t- why not um, one, because he's almost 90 years old. Two, um, he would talk his way out of it. And three, they probably couldn't prove it right now. I mean, they're, all of this that we're talking about is basically circumstantial. And I don't think he would budge. He would not admit it at all. And there's nothing to really cement it unless they were able to match DNA or fingerprints or anything like that. Do you think Forrest is holding on to a tell-all memoir or a, he has a list of secrets that he's been keeping that when he passes will be released publicly? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think if somebody finds the chest, you know? Yeah, that will be, that will come out afterwards. And I think a lot of people will start actually talking after he passes away. Yeah, I think there's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of craziness when he passes away because people won't be afraid to. And for the record, I'm not doing any craziness. (laughs) Somebody said that I was going to do something and they. uh, Oh, I know. There's rumors about that about me, too, about me uh, suing Forrest or writing a book. And like, you know, I'm not doing any of that. (laughs) That's untrue. Why is there going to be craziness when he passes away? Because people right now say everything to appease him and to appease the whole crowd and everything. They don't want to, you know, but there's a lot of people who have been in it for a long time. And I think, I think we're not touching on it at all, but there's a lot of secrets going around. Um, and I don't want to get into it. Yeah, I don't want to get into it <laughs> either. Because that will, really get into it. That will but invite I, some hate over here. And I don't want you to be subject to that. But I think there's, there's some people that, uh, that know, wanting to say like the, the dirt on the chase. Yeah. You know? um, he also talks about $20 bills a lot in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I took this class to build a horseshoe and I it cost me $20. 
Didn't he say that a lot? Yeah, the Things? twenty dollar. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And man, I just looked at those pictures of the twenty dollar bills folded and. Was I and right then or what? At, I mean, that thing is <laughs> almost exactly. That's crazy. Except he uses a five dollar bill in the scrapbook. I think uh-huh. for sure it's a five. Yeah. Yeah, but man. Yeah, in the, one crazy. of the phrases in the poem talks about my secret. You know, about having a secret. Keep my secret. Right. Secret. Yeah. A lot of secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, two can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Might be yeah. a hint that Skippy was in on it. Skippy yeah. is now dead. So right. It seems like Forrest is enjoying the attention uh-huh. that he's getting for all this. Yes. So if he was the one who hijacked Flight 305, uh-huh. wouldn't he want people to know that before he died? No. If I hijacked the plane. I would want people to know before I died so I could enjoy it. I think I think when I was reading when I was writing this, I think he was excited about the idea. And like I said, I think then something he got the backlash. Him. Yeah, the backlash. I don't know if that was it really. I, I think something I think spooked him. Like maybe that he still could be, if it was him, prosecuted. I don't know. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, who wants to be prosecuted at the end of their life, you know? Mm-hmm. For something? Right. True. And then bring it, you know, his whole uh, big thing with him is leaving this legacy behind for his family. And what kind of legacy would be, you know, before he, you know, he'd have to witness it all if he was still alive and everyone knew he was D.B. Cooper and his, his legacy would be trashed by that point. I mean, at least while he was alive, he would have to witness it being trashed. But when he's dead, he, you know he's dead. He doesn't care. Uh-huh. Um, and then the he'll no one can get him when he's dead, right? Don't make the alligator mad till you've crossed the river. That's his phrase, uh-huh. one of his phrase. So he's gonna cross the river, and the alligator may be a reference to the FBI or whoever. Um, I should have paid more attention yeah, to that. We'll be angry. <laughs> yeah, don't make the alligator mad till you cross the river. You know. So he's crossing the river. He's going to die. And then the world will find out. Mm-hmm. Here's what I had. Uh, there was a little article that I had found. I'm just going to read my notes. Uh, read that there were reports that a small airplane landed shortly after 8 p.m. near where the Skyjacker would have landed and immediately took off again. A vehicle right, that drove was a ranch. Up, yeah, a vehicle drove up to the plane on the small airstrip. It it's possible somebody picked up DB in a car and drove. I mean, they, if my thinking is true and there's those letters in different places, they would have had to have a getaway plane. So maybe the car was going to go and pick him up and bring him to the plane. You know, they were going to all take the plane. So maybe this was, and this was like the night before, I guess. And it's some, I don't know if I have a copy of the article, but it's probably on like newspapers.com or whatever. He talks, too, about little airstrips, landing on a little airstrip in Lander, Wyoming. So he right. likes those little, and that's what that was supposed to have been, is a little airstrip on a hunting property. I always wondered if there yeah, there are if there was a connection there are between Forest and that hunting property. But I don't know where that property is. But it was supposed to be somewhere by where he, where DB landed. Right. 
yeah, he paid $20 to learn how to do horseshoes. He pays $20 for ticket. He wears... Was it $20 or $2 for the horseshoes? can't remember. That was $20. Okay. He talks about mirrors. I don't know what that has anything to do. Reading your notes after two years. Is kind yeah, of I know. Exactly. <laughs> what was I, I thinking? Do you two have a theory for how the money ended up on Tina Barr? Yeah, I've really been thinking about that since I've been looking over these DB things, trying to refresh my mind. And I'm hearing it was only three inches down. And I just think between... Yeah, it was really close to the surface. I think some of it... I think he... Forrest tells a story about spending 10 days alone on the Madison River. And I wonder, um, you know, did he take somehow, did he take the water to wherever? He knew that he could, if, if this was a plan, he knew that it would be near the water. So then he hops in, you know, a boat that's positioned out there or something and takes that to like say Tina Bar or whatever and drop some. I could I I don't know how far like away from civilization it was at that time, but only being under for, you know, I could see maybe some fell into the water, maybe three inches is not much when you're talking, I wouldn't think, about wind and stuff blowing sand over it. That's I don't know. No, I mean sand on the beach, three inches is nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, I liked what uh, somebody had said, Tom Kay, about finding the whatever it was on there, saying that it had to be in June because those were on the, the bills, those microbes. The or diatoms. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, the diatoms, that's a really new development. So yeah. that one, we haven't even quite figured it out, but it, it, it lends to the idea that the money did not end up there around the time of the hijacking. Uh It looks like the money most likely ended up there sometime later. Yeah. What if he brought it back? What if he brought it back so someone would find it and so he would get some attention? I mean, I could see this knowing Forrest, and let's just assume it's him. I could see him doing that, knowing somebody would find it. And because I think he loves the limelight. And wanting to see it, you know, like maybe it died down about DB and he's like, hey, wait a second. Right. I, I want to, you know, I want to hear more about this story. Do you think he put it on Tina Barr because of Tina Mucklow? Oh, interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Yes, I love that. Tina Mucklow is the stewardess he sat next to on the plane Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Hours. Right. Okay. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that would be very forest-like. <laughs> To make a joke out of something like that. Yep. Definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely. And the other interesting connection with that is when the money went on the plane, Tina brought it to him and he's looking at it and he gets kind of giddy with all the money. Uh. And Tina says, wow, that is a lot of cash. (laughs) And he reaches into the bag and grabs a a few bundles. I don't know exactly how many. And hands it to her. Interesting. I can and see she him says, doing that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't accept a tip. Wow. Yeah. I could. He does could give definitely. money away too. That is how Forrest is. Mm-hmm. He gives money away. He gives all kinds of things away. And not only that, but this is kind of interesting. You ask any girl who's spent more than five, not even five minutes with him. He is so charismatic. And 
it was surprising. I was listening to her in one of the newsreels talk about he wasn't a bad guy. That's so forest like. Yeah, very forest like. She says he was polite. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Definitely. Uh huh. I can see that for yeah, for sure. I'm sure he didn't want to. Remember hurt how she him. said she thought he was flirting, too. Yeah. Right. And before forces. when he gave her the note. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if she got that vibe, I don't know. <laughs> we all get that vibe. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's seriously between 80 and 90 years old, and, and, and he gives off that strong. vibe even now. Or, yep, yep, uh-huh. yep. That's really interesting. I've always thought about a lot, like, the kind of guy who could do this and remain calm and be charming to the stewardess when uh-huh. you have this plan where the most likely result is you're either going to die or go to jail for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. I think... And here he is yep. charming a stewardess yeah. in the back? Exactly. Yeah. I think... One of his, uh, he has a lot of sayings, and another one of his sayings is, um, basically, he tries to think of everything. So you can bet that he was probably planning on this for a very long time, if it is him. Uh Um, He was planning it to a perfection, and what he carried it out to perfection, probably. Uh Um. So, yeah, he was planning all this for a very, very long time. And, yeah, he he knew what he was doing. So I think he – and he, he has always been pretty uh, confident when it comes to pulling stuff off, like mm-hmm. talking to people. Like he, d- like he didn't break a sweat when he was talking his way out of jail with the, uh, with the fake pot. Mm-hmm. And then there is also the um, – when he went to the scrapbook where he was talking about the court case and uh, the lawyer was pressuring him and he mm-hmm. wouldn't give in and he won that too. So Yeah, and he's not afraid because he told me once that somebody stole, or I had read an article I was doing, you know, just normal research and somebody had stolen uh, a Rolex out of his gallery and... Uh, I think that happened like more than once and he took off after the guy. And I think the guy had a gun too, but so he's not afraid to do things like that. But I'm wondering why can't they must have, okay. If Forrest is listening, close your ears, Forrest. Why can't somebody (laughs) ask him out for a drink, get his fingerprints and then check him against any fingerprints. Cause once you're, if he gets rid of a drink or something like that in a public place, isn't that mean? Don't tell him to work. I am not sure. I think there that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm looking through, looking to see oh, where really? they. Yeah, I'm trying to find them. I don't know if I see any. I know they have a partial DNA sample that they've said could be used really? to rule people out, but not necessarily to solve the crime. Interesting. Right. Interesting. And then I know they dusted for prints, but if you think about an airplane, uh-huh. I mean, it would just be fingerprints on every surface. Now, what right. about this? Do you have any idea what happened to the plane or the chair? The plane went back into service. It, it was sold a couple of times, uh, and then I believe it was parted out. Oh, I'm not wow. sure if there is a, a history on that exact seat he was sitting in or not. Mm. I sure wish it was in my office. That would be pretty Wouldn't cool. That- just get one and say it is. Yeah. <laughs> would that be a forest fan that move? That would be a forest fan move. 
<laughs> what was it with the black felt pen? We had a connection with it. Oh, yeah. I actually had that, but I kind of... The way he writes things with a black felt pen was similar to some kind of writing with D.B. I don't know. D.B. Cooper gave his ransom note in a black felt tip pen in block notes. And he asked for the note back. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. The black felt tip pen, Forrest writes uh, all his captions in his books. Mm -hmm. With black yes. felt pens in all cap letters. In blocks. In black letters, yeah. Black all caps. That is interesting. Uh-huh. And yes. And he actually put a, with that uh, $5 bill, the bent mm-hmm. $5 bill, there is a black felt pen laying on top of it. Oh. I think he does talk about comic books too. He and he says about something about when he was a time. kid, he had like the little red rider or something. And there were, he had pictures of bad guys up on the wall or something. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if it, if this is Forrest, okay. if Forrest committed the hijacking, right. you guys aren't sure that we'll learn it for sure from him. No, I, I mean, I don't know I if mean, the chest is ever going to come to light and, Unless yeah. he hands his, his lawyer some kind of letter to read at his, you know, viewing or whatever, that's going to be a packed house, too. <laughs> so I'm sure right. word would get out if anything like that happened. Um, I don't know. And even even if he says, though, that he did it, other people have taken claim to it. So it really needs to be some kind of evidence. Oh, 100%. You know? I've, I've read where between a few dozen and over 900 people have confessed to this wow now what question let me ask you a question what would you ask Forrest if you think there's enough validity to you know being curious about him what would you ask to see if there was any kind of you know I would just ask to tell me the story Mm. and, and see if it fits with everything that I've heard the one thing that could really solve it, I guess, would be if he had, you know, a ticket stub or money or anything like that, but just telling us how the money got to Tina Barr. Mm-hmm. But that's if he's admitting. He's not admitting to it. So is there anything right. you would ask him while he's not admitting that you think is a connection? Would maybe give us a clue or give you some kind of indication that maybe he would be. Oh, he did tell me mm-hmm. once, too. He almost crashed a plane. And I don't oh, know. Wow. Which seems a little weird because he did crash the two that he had ejected from. So what, I don't know what Correct. he means by almost. Yeah, that that's a good question. I'm not sure what I would ask him mm-hmm. that could show that he has inside information. Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, he said... He, he would said, make um, <laughs> One of the ways, you know, like you were talking about, could he get away? He used to say that his wife and him would take separate vacations. They, she would go with the mom or something to talk about him, and he would go fishing. Is that what it was? Yeah, he would, he would go wherever. Yeah. That sounds like a really old school guy. Yeah, he is yeah. an old school guy. But that would be a really good reason that none of the bills have shown up. If he was, I know for a fact he would go to Russia and he would um, buy artwork there and bring it back here. Because he talks, uh, I was searching in Taos, New Mexico, and uh, there's an artist's house there, and he became close to the family, and he actually brought the ashes back to Russia, and he, you know, had that artist's work in his gallery, you know, a lot of them, 
And uh, so it was nothing for him to fly to other countries, I'm pretty sure, and, and buy artwork. And so that would make sense. I mean, I'm sure they were, I don't know what happens to money when it comes back here. They must kind of check it, right? goes through computer. I don't know back then. Was it going through? They must have some kind of database of serial numbers as they come back through. Do you know? I don't know if they could check that many bills, especially in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be like <laughs> truckloads of cash. Right. Yeah. What are some criticisms you guys have gotten in the Forrest Fenn D.B. Cooper theory? Uh, oh, I don't know if I've, I've gotten a ton of criticisms, but not so much on that. <sighs> I, well, we did. We things. got we got nailed for that for a while. Um, you know, even though a lot of people believed us, a lot of people were saying that we were just trying to trash him or ruin him or whatever. Well, the uh, funny thing is, they say, how is this trashing him? Well, like that he it, should be a felon, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, to even know. insinuate that Forrest Fenn did something against the law. Yeah. It will bring the wrath down on, of the community on you. I mean, they, they were saying we were liars. They were saying that we were doing stuff just to make them look bad. They were... Um, oh, he had a scrapbook, you know, too, of a silverware drawer. And he it was right? all messy. And then it was all, all straight. So I my personal thing was he was joking about it being like organized crime. That it was organized. <laughs> yeah. <maybe. laughs> but I Who think knows? he... But the way he came out with that uh, laundering money thing right after. Oh, yeah, and he, he talked about laundry, crazy. too, didn't he once? He talks about laundry all the time. Yeah. And that's how. Wasn't his mom doing laundry? and Mom you know. doing laundry and hit the laundry, uh, his 90-pound body or 80 pounds of laundry or whatever it was, was too heavy or whatever. Wet laundry was too heavy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one one of the stories is where he lost his shoes, and that's what they talk mm-hmm. about with the the loafers. If he had jumped, you know, the loafers would have come off. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting choice because he got wicked for jumping out of a plane. thrown out of the car. I mean, it doesn't when... make sense. I mean, it's almost like okay, I think he, I don't know if it is him and everything. I think that somebody else, like I said, helped him. I'd love to know who those passengers are, and and love to see. I know. They're not willing to show any personal identification, though, right? On the flight manifest? No, I uh, I was reading where they opened up the FBI case. Like, they were the crime sleuth people were able to go oh, through yeah, the, some of the files, but they yeah, couldn't the see the personal files. stuff. Yeah, a lot of the names were redacted, and then the personal investigations were off limits. So if they were looking into, uh, you know, John Hooker, then they aren't going to divulge any of the information of that investigation. Is um, the FBI agent Larry Carr still looking into this at all? Just as I, I don't know if he's even able to. Is he or alive? Is yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. I, I don't think he's doing it in any official capacity, but I believe he still follows the case. Oh, okay. I'm trying real hard to get him to come on the show. Oh, wow. oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just friended him on Facebook. Oh, really? And, and wow. Tom K. Tom K. accepted it. So if he's out there, thank wow. you. I think I'm going to do is, that. I'm too. the person who friended you. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm friending him too. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, assigned the case after it had gone way cold in like 2006. Mm. 
Now, what happened to the first FBI agent that wrote that book? Is he still around? He passed away about a year oh, ago. Darn. And he was he was an older gentleman even when that case started. Oh, he wow. was, gosh, I want to say he was like fifty or something during the hijacking. Uh huh. So he was an older gentleman himself. He had like really cool curled up mustache. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ralph Himmelsbach. Oh yeah. Yeah, the cowboy hat guy too. I don't. I'd like to know. Do they wear cowboy hats yeah. up in Washington? It's definitely a Texas thing. Yeah, I do see cowboy hats in in Washington. Oh, from you time do. To time. Okay, so it's not crazy then. No. So I thought, geez, that seemed a little odd, and him being from Texas, where they always wore, you know. Yeah, true. So, do you guys think this case will be solved? Uh, unless mm. there's um, DNA, no. And the DNA is. They'd have to run it through like one of the DNA things to find a relative, maybe. Right. But you're saying, I mean, in his biography, if he admits it, and then you look at all the circle circumstantial evidence, I mean, you could, you can't necessarily prove it to a. Yeah, I wouldn't trust anybody really, even Forrest, if he said that. Listen, this is who I am. I just wouldn't because it's, you know, I don't think he would though, because he's got enough of a good thing going now. Yeah. It seems like you two have a weird relationship with him. Like you look up to him, but you are also unsure of him and question him. I don't look up to him anymore. I did for a while, but um, after, I mean, I don't look up to him. I, I, I don't like some some of the things he's done, um, you know. But I don't hate him. I don't. I think he's. I I don't think he's been entirely honest with the cha- with the treasure hunting community, um, and I don't like that because I mean I have autism. I don't know if you know that, but like integrity and truth is like very important to me, and. When I see some of the things that have happened and how he deals with it, I don't like it. And I'm not afraid to call him out on that kind of thing. But I don't hate him. And I think he can be a good guy. Yeah, I I think everybody pretty much looks up to him. And I think Mindy and I have both had situations with him where we've you know, gone over where we have been upset with him. And we've realized that when that happens, he's still there. He's not, you know what I mean? It's it. So it gave us maybe a different kind of relationship with him where we're just really who we are. We don't have to pretend to, you know, kiss his yeah. butt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how exactly. else to say it, but I mean, not yeah, that, I, not that I'm, a, oh, go ahead. No, that's it really he's in, he's in tech but like you guys have become friends more than fans mm. well yeah i mean when you've i think yeah, you know you know somebody for 10 years and eight of those years you have daily contact with the person right you know you get right. to know somebody pretty good i mean he is very interesting he has great stories he has um i mean his collection that he has in his house i mean I've loved that kind of stuff since I was a kid. I mean, I love it. it he's got a mummy, mummified uh, 
uh, falcon from Egypt. And it's like he had it. I think he had it x-rayed. I think he said. And it, I mean, he's just got so much really cool, cool stuff. And uh, the stories that go along with those cool stuff, I don't know if they're all true or if they're just exaggerated. They probably are. But they are cool stories. And he, he, I mean, there are a lot of good things about Boris Fenn. But there is, I just want people to realize that, you know, everything isn't as it seems. And there is some little dark little undercurrent under there that, eventually it'll come out. But. Here's something he said, and, and I don't know where he said it, if it was a scrapbook or, um, he goes, but what about all of us who are not great men? Are we not somehow entitled to leave a slight footprint somewhere? Did Lee Harvey Oswald thirst so for remembrance that nothing else mattered? Or John Wilkes Booth? Both of them and a multitude of others have conveyed the same meaning in vastly different ways and at vastly different times and places, but they all really said the same thing. Look at me. I'm somebody. Please don't forget. Right. Yeah, so he's just basically saying, you know, I'm not that great a guy, but somehow he's managed to convince people that even though he's telling people flat out that he's not that or that he does have faults and he hasn't been always honest he's people he's still somehow weaving it in a way so that they believe he's the great guy that they think he is i mean i don't know it's it's really weird how he weaves words to mean two different things at the same time yeah he's a very mysterious character <laughs> he is he is pretty <laughs> I think I had written Tom K and this was his answer. I had asked about that question. Um, if he'd be accountable for the crime and it says, yes, he was indicted in absentia. So the statute of limitations would not run out. In reality, the FBI told us though, that they would not try and convict an 85 year old guy for a 45 year old crime. So. Oh, wow. They have more information. Yeah. And than I, I, do. I spoke to, uh, a lawyer named Mark Metzler, and he told me that the cigarette butts being thrown away could have been expul exculpatory evidence, and so the case should just be thrown out. Mm. And he said, and it being so old, even though you do have that John Doe indictment against D.B. Cooper, mm -hmm. no one would want to try and prosecute this. Yeah, it's not worth the money. Right. It's not worth the money, and do you want to do it to a 90-year-old man? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I old people get arrested a lot, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think if somebody is guilty of something, they should, but I don't think it's right. worth the money. And I don't think there's, I think his, let's say it's Forrest, for example. By the time it went you don't see him trial, doing anything else he bad. Would be dead. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think Forrest yeah. is ever dying. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to have doubts. <laughs> Well, ladies, uh, we spoke about it before we started recording, but uh, are you guys going to re-release re your book? I think so. I think I so. <laughs> I think we <laughs> are. Pretty much put um, it in Mindy's hands to kind of take that, but you know. I'm gonna. So. I'm uh, gonna start work editing it on through, and we will get in touch with a certain someone publisher and. Uh, see what kind of deal we can ne negotiate out. 
Wait, when you say publisher, are you talking about the Santa Fe trading and publishing company? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Not that small. <laughs> no. Not that small. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know what will happen, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll just take it as it comes. I mean, we can't do anything else. So it's we'll just go with the flow on that one. Either way. Well, I appreciate you two sending me a copy to look through. And I haven't finished yet, but I was super impressed with how thorough your research into the hijacking was. Cool. Yeah. Even like the, the Carl Fleming, William Lewis. Mm-hmm. I, you guys touched on it for just one second, but that is something that not a lot of people know about. Really? I'm sure even people listening to this are like, who the hell is Carl Fleming <laughs> and William Lewis? Mm-hmm. But you guys got it in there, so... Probably. Yeah, we, we for a while that's all we did was research DB Cooper. It's been a long time, so in a, a lot of our notes are like on other computers and stuff. We actually have probably a lot more, and this is basically just refreshing our memory from what we've. Yeah, it's been a couple before. years. I'm going yeah, through all so, this, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When you when you saw, when <laughs> I looked at the Facebook message and saw they contacted me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, where are all my notes and. Oh, here's something too, real quick. He talks about always flying people's ashes, and this happened right by Saint Mount Saint Helens, which is the ashes. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, we love. I mean, anybody who's in the the thrill of the chase that's tried looking and stuff for that. That's they sit there for eight hours a day researching. So when we thought, you know, oh, this could be the story he wants to tell. And um, that, you know, finding out more about this might help us find the chest. It was, you know, game on. We just kept searching and searching. So it was a lot of fun. DB is an interesting character, whether it's Forrest or Skippy or any of these other people. It's definitely interesting. I think I'll do a it is that. interesting. And then, uh, Mindy, if people wanted to get a hold of you and say hi or ask you a question, is there somewhere they could do that? Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook, and I am on Twitter, and I am on... Uh, they can always send me an email, mindyfozzy at yahoo.com. And Stephanie, same question. If people want to harass you about Forrest <laughs> Fan yeah. or D.B. Cooper, where can they do uh, that at? Ty Blossom, T-Y-B-L-O-S-S-O-M at gmail.com. Oh, and I also have a new YouTube channel they can get, they can watch there. It's called The Way of the Nerd, and they can just... The Way of the, the Nerd. Way of the I'll nerd. put links to all the <laughs> show notes for you. And I just did a Bonnie and Clyde video uh, that's way too long at 27 minutes, but pretty thorough. <laughs> oh, 27 minutes isn't too long. No. We're over two hours. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, too, having yeah, us on and, and making this so nice and easy. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I was really stoked to have you guys on. I. I can't remember right now, but I got an email from someone at, into that chase chat, and yeah, that's I was uh, like, how have I not heard about any of this? <laughs> yeah, that's my website, Chase Chat. I actually don't go on it hardly anymore. Yeah, I haven't yeah. either. I went on though to talk to tell about this video. I, I did post a uh, announcement, so you should be getting a lot of views tomorrow or listens, yeah. I should say. Yeah, I think you're going to see your Whoa. listening audience go up maybe at least a few hundred tomorrow afternoon or whenever you publish this out. 
Awesome. I look forward yeah. to that. <laughs> I put it on Facebook too. So uh, there's already people that are are saying that they're going to tune in and listen. All right, ladies. Well, thanks again for coming well, on. I really appreciate so it. Thank yeah, you. We, we had fun. You can find Stephanie and Mindy on Facebook or Stephanie's site, chasechat.com. You should head over there anyways. You can learn all about the Forest Fen treasure and the thrill of the chase. If you do hit them up, tell them to hurry up and get that book published. I need to have that one on my bookshelf. Also, be sure and check out Mindy's YouTube channel, The Way of the Nerd. She's got a really cool video about Bonnie and Clyde up on there right now, too. Do you know a secret D.B. Cooper book or theory that was discussed on your secret back channel underground forum? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook. We are The Cooper Vortex. Instagram, at The Cooper Vortex. On Twitter, at D.B. Cooper Podcast. Or email us, dbcooperpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Thank you to Mindy Fauzi and Stephanie 30 Acre for spending their Friday evening with me. Thank you to Russell Colbert, who I promised to share the Forest Fen treasure with if I ever find it. I'm Darren Schaefer, and thank you for listening to the Cooper Vortex.